Thanks for listening to Matt McLaughlin History. Become a subscriber to receive exclusive bonus episodes, ad-free listening, early access to all episodes, and special member-only events. Click on the link in the show notes or visit patreon.com forward slash mmhistory. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, this is Matt McLaughlin, host of Living History, and thank you for joining me for a very special episode of the podcast, we are very proud to announce that Gary Mackay, MC, a hero of the Vietnam War, has written a book for us about his experiences in Vietnam and how he returned to civilian life and the challenges that presented. The book is called After the Blood Cools, The Warrior's Dilemma, and it's really quite a special book. We're so proud that we were able to publish it in conjunction with Gary. And I wanted to bring you a very special interview that we did with Gary that uh, I spoke to him recently during the launch of the book and after Sir Peter Cosgrove had just said a few words about Gary's book. So I sat down with Gary and, and spoke to him about the book and what it meant. And I wanted to bring that interview to you now. If you would like to buy a copy of the book, you can get it now. It's available online on our website, which is livinghistorytv.com. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes so you can find that. But I, reckon, I recommend that everyone goes out and buys a copy of this book. It's really quite extraordinary. Just an incredibly raw account of one man's service in Vietnam and what combat did to him and the effect it had on the rest of his life. So the book is called After the Blood Cools, The Warrior's Dilemma by Gary Mackay. And here's my interview with him now. Gary, what a great honour to have Sir Peter joining us for the book launch. I mean, obviously someone you've known for a very long time throughout your military career, but um, he, you know, he, he had some good words to say. I, I'm, I'm really pleased that the book touched him in the way that it did because, the, you know, there's no one that's got more experience in the military than, than Sir Peter. They were, they were some pretty stirring words, weren't they? Well, they were. And, you know, he sort of takes me aback, uh, uh, his eloquence and, and what he said about me because when I was a young officer, he was one of those guys on the pedestals because he himself had been awarded the Military Cross for Gallantry when he was a platoon commander with the 9th Battalion in South Vietnam. So, you know, he was already well known as a warrior. Um, so, yeah, I'm just so glad that he agreed to write the board and also to be involved in the launch. I think it's fantastic. Mate, one of the things he touched on there was that you are very humble, and that's true. I know that, you know, even, even after a bottle of wine or two, you're still, um, you know, you never blow your own trumpet. I know this book was a little bit difficult from that respect because this required you to talk about the things you'd done and the things you achieved. It also talked, you had to talk a lot about the, the problems that you'd been through. But before we get to that, I mean, how, how, how did you put that aside? How did you lower that cloak of humility to talk about the things you achieved on the battlefield? Because I suspect that might have been harder for you than, than talking about some of the demons that came later in the career. Well, when, when you initially asked me to 
to write a book. I kicked it around for a couple of days and you might you gave me some suggestions. You might remember I, I came back and I said, no, I want to do The Warrior's Dilemma, you know, because it's something I've had to talk about a few occasions when I've been invited to uh, by DVA and a few other people. And I had a sign above my desk that, that had the aim of the book. And, and that was to tell the reader what a soldier goes through in battle. And whenever I sort of thought, oh, well, I write about this or not, I had to look up at that sign and remind myself what it was all about so that I stayed true to that aim and, uh, and didn't wallow in self-pity or anything like that. That was, that was what I wanted to do. And I know, having, having written an autobiography before and helped other people write an autobiography and, and having written the biography, that you've got you've to do it warts and all. Otherwise, it has no relevance. It, has, it loses its credibility. And we've all seen people in the past, politicians especially, who will write their autobiography and leave out some really tricky bits that we all know about and thought, well, why didn't you talk about that? So you've, you've got to put it all on the line. And that was it. We certainly did that. And I'm sure readers, when they pick up the book, will be struck by, by how open you were with, with your whole life story. Um, so Peter touched on why this will be a really important book for future generations of infantry soldiers and particularly leaders. But it's not just a book that speaks to military people. It's, it's not a book that is full of military jargon and only written for the military community. This is a book that I think everyone will take something away from. And, and the hardships you went through uh, were quite specific as they related to combat and being at war. Um, but I think a lot of people will find that whatever hardships they're going through in their life, they'll, they'll, they'll take something away from this book. Talk to us about people who will read this book who, who don't have experience with military service? Well, I'm hoping it'll be the friends and relatives of those who have served in the combat zone. I'm hoping um, that the DVA community as well will look at this and, and, and get a greater feeling for what we ask our combatants to go through. Um, I'd also like to see, as Sir Peter said, um, that our training institutions have a look at this as well. Because I think, I think I said in the book that we need, we need to tell the soldiers up front before they go to that war zone what they're going to be in for. And don't gloss over anything, um, because it doesn't work. Uh, bad news doesn't get better with age. So let them know what they're in for up front and then address those things right at the beginning. That's what I'm hoping. What about um, for other people who may be in those stressful frontline roles such as police officers, you know, people in the, in the uh, firefighting departments? What about these people as well? I mean, it's, it's not just about combat that, uh, that this book explores. It talks about dealing with the stresses of those confronting life-challenging events. So do you think fireys and, and the police will get something out of this as well? Absolutely. Uh, 
you know, it's funny, uh, in my previous life, um, I was actually asked to give addresses to the Australian Federal Police and the Queensland Police, uh, I think it was an inspector's course, and uh, they wanted me to talk about operational leadership. And, you know, all you did was change the colour of the uniform. And even though the police, their principal aim is not to have lives lost and to take lives, which is a bit opposite to the military where that is our role is to kill the enemy. They have an even harder job in trying to keep everybody, the combatants in their sphere, if you like, alive. Uh, And that's even trickier. Um, And and I I think they will uh, get something out of it. And I hope that clinical psychologists, for example, who, who deal with first responders can read that and see that there is a relationship. Without a doubt, there is a relationship um, between what the military go through and those ambos and fireys and, and police. It's not just um, military people or people who serve or first responders because I, I've never served in the military and I, I'm not a, an ambo or a... Or a, or a police officer, but I got a lot out of it as well. So I think, um, what what message would you have for people who don't have experience in the military? I mean, you wrote the book in a way that will be very approachable for these people. What message would you have for those people that read the book that don't have military or frontline experience? It is to read it, absorb it, and then get an appreciation for what the combatants have to go through. That, And then they might be less inclined to you know, pull back and say, oh, well, they, they're in the army. That's, they've got to expect that. The trouble is, uh, as I, and as I said in the book, um, we expect people to behave normally in an abnormal environment. And we expect that abnormal environment not to have an impact and that they will go back to having a normal life. Well, sorry about that. It, it flows over. It washes all over you and it continues to. Um, so many years later, it's uh, it's only through mateship, good counselling, camaraderie with those you serve with that you get through those little road bumps along the way, and and get to to where you really want to be. Well, I've often said that there is in modern times there there is a bit of a gap between military service and civilian life simply because unlike in previous generations, the army is a lot, you know, the, the defence force is a lot much more compact organisation than it ever has been before. And fortunately, it's been a long time since we've had a, a large war that's required civilians to throw on a uniform and, and go off and fight. The, the downside of that is that it has created a bit of a gap between the, the military and civilians. People in civilian life, I don't think, have much of a connection at all with what it means mm. to serve in the military. This, I think this book does a great job of bridging that gap because it does, it's it's visceral how it brings to life what what people go through through in combat. That's what I found when I read it. That, you know, I've read a lot of accounts of what it's like to be in combat, but this was so confronting. And as well, it spoke about the challenges of coming home. Um, I mean, that must have been it. Must have been a difficult journey for you, and even harder to write about decades later. Uh, and it still it still rankles. You know, when when we came back. And we were treated with either apathy or anger. 
by some people and this misdirected opposition to what we had done. We, the soldiers didn't make the decision to go to South Vietnam. It was a political decision. And, and without trying to rewrite history and all that, I mean, soldiers did what they were supposed to do. And, that, and they, when they did go there, now they did it well. And that's why I guess I was fortunate in a way that we had the national servicemen in their story because here, here were these citizens who through no choice of their own, their marble drops out and they're, they're in green baggy skin and then the next thing they're in a war zone. Now, they were well trained. That's the one thing our, our military does do well is train our soldiers and our young officers. Um, but they performed as well as anyone. And, and even today in my own platoon, um, the difference between my regular soldiers and my nashos, there's, there's nothing. They're, they're just infantrymen from 11 platoon. That's what they are. And, and that's, that's the way it is. And that's a very strong bond too. Yeah. Now, you wrote your autobiography uh, many years ago in Good Company, which was a, a great success and one of the really important books about the Australian Vietnam experience. This book covers some of that ground because it talks about your experience fighting in Vietnam, but, but how does this book differ from In Good Company and how does it expand on, on what you did in that original book? I think I, I, think I peel off another layer um, off the onion uh, probably about three or four layers, I think. I I decided that I would have to be... I wanted to tell the reader how scared people get um, but it, and how afraid you get, but how you manage your fear and how you get through that. I wanted to... Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Show that the human person underneath and everything that, that impacts upon them, the, the fear, the grief, the horror, um, it, it, it's important that people understand that. Um, and I think in In Good Company, I, I probably glossed over that uh, because of the amount of room I had in the book. Um, this was peeling it back and also peeling it back with, with the, 
beauty of hindsight as well. And I'd had quite a long time to reflect, you know, for myself, my own post-traumatic stress disorder didn't hit until, you know, 34 years after the event uh, because of an incident in in, uh, Vietnam when I was a tour guide. But it was still there. It was just subsurface. And uh, then there was a trigger and all of a sudden the black dog appeared and I had to deal with that. So, um, Did In Good Company come out before you had that those issues with PTSD? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, when, when In Good Company came out, I was, I was a bronze dancer. <laughs> it was never going to happen to me. You know, I, until it happened to me, I thought that people who had PTSD were all lead swingers. I thought they were just bludgeoning on the system because they wanted to deviate gold card or something. Um, there were some people who I knew with genuine post-traumatic stress sufferers, and there, but I met people who were not. And I even had someone tour with me who were not, but who claimed to be. Um, but then when it hit me, it was like being hit on the back of the head with a cricket bat. Um, it was, it really made me stop and think. And I delved into it a fair bit. Um, and I wrote about that um, in a book I did called Going Back uh, to help those who were a bit worried about going back to Vietnam, who are veterans, about what PTSD is and can do and all that and, and how they can mitigate all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That was That was probably the most confronting part of the book. I mean, the, 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 the vivid descriptions of combat were pretty horrifying for those of us who haven't been through it and you didn't shy away from describing what a bullet can do to human flesh and, 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 and how that affected people on the battlefield. But I found the parts that were the most revealing were when you laid yourself bare. I mean, you spoke about that, that whole chapter of PTSD in your life and what, how it affected you and how, you, know, how, how you dealt with it. You spoke about very personal relationships with your with your family. You even spoke about the you know the impact that your wounds had on your sex life when you came back from Vietnam. So how how was it for you to lay yourself bare and to be able to write about these in, intensely personal aspects of your life? Um, well, I guess I'm getting that old now. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not really. Um, I I knew that. If we were to have any impact with the book, we had to peel everything back. We just had to do it. Um, I must admit, a few times I would I'd be sitting at the at the keyboard going, mm, "Yep," and I'd dive in and then I'd reread it and I'd say, "No, you're kidding yourself. Come on, be more honest." And and that's what I'd do. Um, I just had to. Had to go down that road. Um, I must admit, there are a few times when I, because I try to write for about five or six hours a day when I'm in composition mode. Um, there are a couple of times when I'd finish the day's writing and it would take me a little while to get to sleep that night. 
because I would be re reliving it, going back through. And then I'd think, oh, hang on, I forgot to mention this bit and I'd have to make a little note <laughs> and then <laughs> come back and, and, you know, so it, um, I guess that was the only good thing about COVID-19. Um, I couldn't go anywhere, so I was I was there at the keyboard um, and it made me knuckle down uh, and really go deep, man. Yeah. We've talked a lot over the years, Gary. I've known you for a long time now and there's been many nice glasses of red wine and many opportunities to chat about your experience. So I felt I knew it pretty well, but I, I think this book revealed many layers that I, that, that, that I hadn't realised. And I think even your family, when they read it, I think that'll reveal layers that, that they they haven't realised. How How's your relationship with the Vietnam War changed over these years? We had last year was the 50th anniversary of the battle that you, you know, the most famous battle you served in where you lost the last Australians. The, the last Australians to be killed in action in Vietnam were, were in your platoon and died in that in that action, how how has your relationship with the Vietnam War changed over the decades? Has it changed? Is it or is it the same as it was the, the day you got back to Australia? Oh no, it's definitely evolved. Um, when I and I tell this story uh, sometimes. When I first came back from Vietnam in nineteen seventy, late nineteen seventy one, uh, I thought that the the worst thing that I'd experienced, and, and that was the death of my soldiers. I thought that was the saddest thing. And then um, after I'd written a couple of books, the War Memorial gave me a research grant. And so I went and studied the Vietnamese language and culture. And, uh, and then I went back to Vietnam with the principal reason of interviewing my former enemy. I wanted to find out what they thought of us as soldiers. And so I went back to Vietnam to work on a book called Delta Four. And it was then, 1993, 94, that I started to get an appreciation of the impact of the war on the Vietnamese. And after about three or four trips back, and I'd established some good relationships with people who were not just the South Vietnamese, but people from North Vietnam as well, and also former enemy soldiers, that I started to get a real appreciation for what the war had done to that country. And I remember I was in Hanoi, and I was asking um, a public official what he thought the most likely number of missing in action was from the PLF, the Popular Liberation Front, um, the NVA, the Viet Cong, the enemy in general, because we had um, we had seven in Australia, who are MIA. The Americans had several thousand. The Army of the Republic of Vietnam, the South Vietnamese, they had thousands and thousands. And he looked at me and he said, I couldn't give you an exact figure, but his ballpark figure 
was a quarter of a million people. Now, I thought about that, and given that half of them would be in the northern part of Vietnam, the other half would probably be in the south, that's a hell of a lot of families that will never, ever know what happened to their loved ones. And, and so, I, you know, losing my four soldiers on the field of battle and all the others who died from the Australian Defence Force paled. It didn't pale into insignificance. I'll never, I'd never say that. But it paled compared to what the Vietnamese people had to go through, whether they were good guys or bad guys. And uh, that gave me a greater appreciation. And then after I started going back and I was fortunate enough on my tours back to be involved with Vietnamese men who were historians in their own right, and they were able to put um, the whole Second Indochina War into perspective. And then I began to realise there should never have been a war in the first place. But, you know, but isn't that true of so many other wars? Well, maybe even the First World War. But my whole relationship changed with that. And then when I got to meet my former enemy, and sit down with them, tell lies, have a few beers, and realise they were just like me. They were blokes trying to do their job to the best of their ability. And we were just all wound up in this terrible political conflict. Um, and, and I got a greater appreciation for it. So, yeah, I've come to appreciate the war a lot better uh, since I came back and since I started going back uh, to Vietnam. Yeah. Well, on that point, mate, as a, as, a, as a veteran today, you know, you mentioned previous wars, but today we live in pretty complicated times. And, you know, as we record this, there's fighting again in Europe and we've only just pulled out of Afghanistan after more than 20 years. And, you know, we, we live in some complicated times. It might be a bit trite to ask, but are, are we learning those lessons from Vietnam and previous wars? I don't think so. I mean, I just can't understand um, Russia's total lack of sympathy for the innocent. You know, there are 40 million Ukrainians who were quite happy being Ukrainians. There are a couple of border groups, but that's a bit sus anyway. But for Putin to go in and do what he's doing to the innocents, and there will be tens of thousands dead by the time he's finished playing his power games. That it, I just think, you know, why are they doing this? It's for oil and other resources, I'm sure. Sure, but uh, it upsets me. I don't. I don't think we are learning as as a globe, as as the people on planet Earth. I don't think we are. Well, 
Gary, just thank you so much for not just your time today, but for writing this book. And as I said, it's a real honour that, that, that we've had the opportunity to work together on it. And it's, it's something special. When you came to me with the idea, I thought it was a good idea. I thought it would make a good book and you'd have something to say, but I, I was not prepared for just what an impact this book would have on me when I read it. And I'm sure on, it, on everyone that reads it. So it's a, it's a, it's such a privilege that, that we're doing this together, mate. And, can't wait to get the, a copy of the book in, in, our, in our hands and, and, and to have it out there in the community. I think people are going to be absolutely overwhelmed by what they read. So, so thank you for that contribution to, to our understanding of history and our understanding of service. It's, it's such an important book. And thanks for joining us today to, uh, to, to share your thoughts about it. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, man. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.